With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Bless You Boys Podcast 82, recorded Monday, August 12th, 2013. Bad luck, schlep rock. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Podcast. We're the staff of SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, blessyouboys.com. Kicks around the past week or so of Detroit Tigers baseball. I am your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. Joining me this week uh, is co-managing editor. He's also a Detroit news columnist, does a lot for SB Nation, including running their website and all kinds of behind-the-scenes things. And he's also a man about town in the city of Marquette, Michigan, and that is Kurt Menching. Kurt, how's it going? Well, it doesn't take long to meet a man about town in Marquette, Michigan, I can tell you that. <laughs> but as long as I'm here, I might as well say a belated happy Youper Day to any Youpers who might be listening. Is we cel- we celebrated is- that on Saturday. Ah. Saturday was the first annual Youper Day, which, being an editor, I wanted to edit that because it can't be the first annual anything. But <laughs> in any case, before I get too off topic, happy Youper Day to all. Well, how do they celebrate Youper Day? By eating uh, pasties, uh, you know, and drinking beer and go deer hunting or what? Well, it's up to the deer hunting part. You're pretty I sure. know, it's not in season, so <laughs> that's be poaching. <laughs> but but uh, I believe, yes, the, the pasties were involved, and, and I believe beer was involved as well. And there was a, like a 60-foot, uh, you know, wooden cutout of the Upper Peninsula hanging downtown on the lake shore. You know, it's, uh, it's nice. We like to... You know, we 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 feel good things about ourselves up here, so we thought we'd celebrate. And of course, you're probably all rooting for the Green Bay Packers. Not a football season's almost upon us, so ninety percent or so. Yeah. <laughs> all right, a couple things about the uh, podcast before we move on to talking. Well, actually, more controversies in baseball. Cause that's really what's uh, been the big, other than the winning streak. That's what's been swirling around the Tigers as of late. You can contact us with your thoughts, questions, BYBpodcast at gmail.com, BYBtigers at gmail.com. That is the general catch-all email for Bless You Boys. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Bless You Boys, and we're also on the Facebook, facebook.com slash BYB.tigers, where people just tend to argue and rant, kind of like our game thread sometimes. Just, just like us. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, since it's been quite a while since uh, – we last uh, got together on the podcast for a couple of reasons. One, that the Tigers have been playing. Well, they're in a stretch of, I think, 19 games in 18 days, and me doing almost all the recaps. Well, it doesn't leave me much time to actually put together a podcast, let alone the Tigers have been on a winning streak. And for those people who believe in jinxes, well, I don't want to – I didn't want to encourage them by breaking it with a podcast. So, but for the most part, it's just been a time constraint just because of the Tigers haven't had a day off in ages. And then sometimes you're, you're co-managing it and your ghost camping. That too. Uh, that, you know, that's how he, I, I wouldn't say that's how you celebrated Jupiter Day because that was actually last week, but had something to do with it as well. Plus, Allison hasn't been around. She's not with us again today because Kurt and I, to actually get a podcast in, are recording this on a Monday afternoon because I have to recap tonight and, it would be nice for Kurt to at least have one night off from everything baseball and SB Nation. So that's, we're doing it right now. Regardless of all that, since we haven't talked in so long, well, when we last talked, Johnny Peralta hadn't been suspended yet. It was all a rumor. Well, that all went down in a big way. Uh, Peralta was finally uh, suspended by Major League Baseball uh, last Monday afternoon. We could go, actually, about a week ago at this time, actually, Johnny Peralta was hit with a 50-game suspension for his involvement in the Biogenesis Wellness Clinic. In a statement, 
Peralta more or less came clean, not saying, yeah, I took pills and supplements and shot myself up with needles, but he did say, I made a terrible mistake in the spring of 2012. It's kind of weird that he, you know, he was taking roids before probably the worst season of his career, but, you know, things happen. Regardless of that, he didn't appeal his punishment, and he will be eligible to rejoin the Tigers for the final three games of the regular season. I don't know about you, Kurt, but I'm just glad this is over and done with. It was really overtaking everything else around the world of baseball, and for the last couple of weeks, that's all anybody seemed to talk about. Right. It, you know, it, it just felt like Major League Baseball was dragging their feet, and I, and I know they had some good reasons, I'm, I'm sure, about getting things right and mm. and all that other stuff. But it, 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 it felt like it would just go on forever and ever. And even even Monday, you know, I, I understand, like, they're supposed to come out at, like, 1230 or yeah. something, and then they, they pushed it back even further after that. So, yeah, it, it just... It, it was really an annoying topic, so yeah. I, I really got tired of it quick. Well, you were lucky. You were out of town when it all went down. <laughs> you could only watch from afar from a tent. Uh, yeah, and that's what I was doing. I, I, I was sometimes even getting 3G in my tent, and it was raining, and me and the dog, we just had to book, and we were directing traffic via email. <laughs> and kudos to the rest of the staff at Bless You Boys, because they really stepped up in a big way that day, because we cranked out a ton of content. And, uh, you know, it paid off, and, and a lot of readers, and I think a lot of new readers. So uh, kudos to Patrick and Rob and John and everybody else who uh, chipped in on that day. So And, and Al. Oh, me too. <laughs> kudos to you there, too. Yeah, it was it – was, uh, yeah, and I was doing it with 102-degree fever. I, uh, how we had it set up is that Kurt kind of pre-wrote a post because we knew this was coming down. You know, I was obvious at this point. And – when the news went live, you know, I just had to do the editing for it. I'm trying to write while I, you know, doing this on the keyboard because I was shivering. <laughs> but we made it through the day, and a lot of arguments ensued in the threads, but it all worked out, at least on the site. As for Peralta, Kurt, there's, not, there's still controversy brewing, brewing around him, and I think everybody pretty much agrees. We still don't know all of the facts around it, but he did fess up to taking it. There must have been something there. MLB suspended him. 50 games seems like, you know, it's, it's a fair punishment. That's what it says in the CBA and the joint drug agreement. Regardless of all that, he's not going to be eligible to come back at the end of the year before the postseason. As of we talk right now, it looks like a pretty much a done deal. The Tigers are going to make the playoffs. But the question now is, do you bring Corralta back? And that seems to really have the fan base, Kurt, split right down the middle. When it all went down, Dave Dombrowski, general manager, was very noncommittal, saying that's not something we're going to tackle at this point. We don't have to make that decision. That's way down the road. And knowing Dave Dombrowski, he's not going to let anybody know what the hell they're going to decide anyway right after that goes down. They may already have their minds made up. He is not going to uh, lay his cards on the table until the time uh, comes for Peralta to come back or not. Though he's allowed to do so, Peralta is not working out with the Tigers. And actually, Dombrowski made that clear when the suspension went down, saying he was not going to be with the team. Uh, ESPN's Pedro Gomez over this past weekend had sources and reported it's highly unlikely Peralta plays in the postseason. He also said the same about Nelson Cruz of the Rangers, who was also suspended. Uh, I guess the question is, Kurt, what are you feeling on this? Should you bring Peralta back uh, after the suspension's over? We've already seen signs where the Tigers have really missed his bat, even in this winning streak, uh, and more so I think we saw it in this uh, when they lost two or three of the Yankees over the weekend. There's also the other side that says, you know, the Tigers already have their replacement, Jose Iglesias. They are winning and playing well. Peralta may be extremely rusty. You know, say what you will about working out. Still not the same as live games and facing live pitching. And maybe it's best just to wash your hands, I mean, of the whole situation. Because the, the Giants of the president last year with Melky Cabrera not bringing him back, and they won the World Series. So what do you think is going to happen, or how do you feel this is going to go down? Well, you know, I think we have to acknowledge the team is better with Johnny Peralta than without. You know, he's mm -hmm. just uh, – he, he was – the best shortstop, you know, as far as his batting went. Right. So Iglesias has a has a wonderful glove, and it and he's you know it's a, it's really it's it's fun to watch a, a good shortstop. That's one of the most fun things I think you can have in the game of baseball for me personally is, is a slick fielding shortstop. But he you know he's not going to give you the same the same results overall as, as having Peralta in the lineup. So I think you have to acknowledge that if they decide not to bring Peralta back, they will not be as good of a team. Now, you know, I, I think there is something to say, well, he didn't play in 50 games, he's going to be a little rusty, but, you know, uh, sometimes we, we see guys come back from injuries and, and play one or two 
games of rehab before they before they you know resume the season and they they seem to do fine. So they, it would be possible to see during the final what three games of the year. Right. It would, it would be possible to, to see how Peralta looked when he came back and go well. Oh my God, he he's so awful. We can't possibly keep him in the postseason. You know. So I I really think. If they're doing what's in the best interest of winning the World Series, they they need to at least give a look and decide at that point whether he's going to help them in the postseason or if he's, he's just too rusty to help them. That's that's in the best interest. Now, people are going to also go, well, the, you know, the Tigers they they're worried about how they look and what if they what if they won the World Series with a shortstop? Oh, that ship been... sailed long ago. If you want to play yeah. the moral card, and, and exactly because. What what was he doing the weekend before he was suspended? You know he was mm-hmm. he was having a really good weekend and and uh, just a really good season overall. So you know whether or not the Tigers win the World Series, I, I think they're kind of tied to the fact Peralta is suspended anyway. You know the reason that they have such in some ways attributed to Peralta having a good season. Of course they built some of that lead since he was suspended, but. The, the fact remains, he made the team better. So, I, I you know I, I I don't really care for the moral card. I'm not one of those uh, Jeff Hassan stand on my pedestal types. So I, I I'm just gonna forget about that and say, look at him if he can help. You know, bring him along. And if he's lost it too much, he's gonna be a hindrance. You don't don't bring him. And and that's what to me it should come down to. When it comes to the morality thing, I'm with you there. Just in that. Uh, if, you know, if you feel that so strongly about Peralta, then you should have been rooting. You should have wanted the Tigers to suspend Miguel Cabrera after the alcohol incident uh, at the was at the end of the uh, uh, was it two, what the twenty training twenty eleven yeah the right? twenty eleven well, plus there was the incident before that at the Townsend Hotel with the White Sox yeah he wasn't suspended after all that sort of thing and you're looking at Mike Illich. Mike Illich is a man who brought back Rob Pobert to the Red Wings after he was. Busted for uh, smuggling cocaine across the border. It's sports, but, and what the team is going to put first is winning. And and think of it this way when it comes to Peralta. Peralta will have served his punishment. Baseball said, you broke the rules, you will sit for 50 games. After 50 games is up, you can come back and play. You know that, The way people are acting, it's like they want to be very vindictive and punish him even further, which is really silly. It's kind of like saying... Someone who gets out of prison has served her time, and then say, "No, you have to go back because we're still mad at you." That doesn't that life doesn't work that way, and neither the sports. So, if Peralta is eligible to come back, and the Tigers figure that he can help, and as Kurt says, he should be able to help the team just because of that bat alone. Uh, Peralta and Iglesias on the same team would make the Tigers that much better, considering they can bring one or the other off the bench, or give some more options defensively. Uh, you know, late in game, so. It would be it's a win-win for the Tigers if Peralta comes back and he's and he and he shows he can still essentially swing the bat. So I'm not going to go on this. Uh, he needs to be punished further because MLB has decided this is your punishment. That's that. At least that's in my book. Yeah, and you know, and and it's a good point to say this is sports because you know I I might have political opinions or personal opinions that are different than our listeners or or you personally or other people, but that that doesn't matter. We're here talking about sports and. I'm not going to bring those opinions to sports, and I, I don't like it when other people bring opinions to sports either. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to get all moral and high and mighty or, or anything. It, it, he he's he was punished, and he'll have served his punishment. And in the eyes of baseball, he can start over from there and be clean. Yep, and that's how life should be. You know, he's you serve him. You know, you're he's going to get a second chance. This is not like this guy's a serial offender who has been a clubhouse cancer or anything like that. Peralta, from all accounts, has been a well-respected and well-liked presence in the locker room. So uh, even though there were some harsh words thrown out there by the guys like Max Scherzer, from all accounts, they will accept uh, Peralta back uh, if the Tigers allow him to come back. So I guess at this point, now it's just wait and see what the Tigers will do. Speaking of the whole Peralta situation, since we've been gone, the Tigers traded for a replacement, Jose Iglesias, which kind of came out of nowhere because all the rumors at the time showed that the Tigers were planning on trying to fill the Peralta, Peralta's missing games with internal candidates between, you know, Hernan Perez, Ramon Santiago, Danny Wirth down in, uh, in, in AAA, mixing and maxing, seeing what they could do to, uh, to fill the hole. Turns out Dave Dabrowski looked over his internal candidates and decided they weren't good enough. So right before the trade deadline, uh, he made a huge deal, uh, part of a three-way trade with the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox. 
and he traded for one of the best glove men, if not the best glove man in the game, Jose Iglesias, a rookie who's been playing third base for the Red Sox. And the main reason for this deal was the Red Sox wanted to get Jake Peavy from the White Sox. Forgetting about all the other transactions that went down in this, the main things that the Tigers gave up were they were forced to give up one of their top prospects, Alvaseo Garcia, who went to the White Sox, and actually he is with the White Sox right now and will pl- likely play against the Tigers in, this, in the coming three-game series. And they sent AAA uh, reliever Brian Villarreal to the Red Sox, and which is one of those, you know, he may he might make it, he might not. Relievers are fungible, whatever. Not, it's not a huge loss. But, Kurt, were you shocked that the Tigers decided to uh, go out, outside the organization to replace Johnny Peralta? Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, I don't think it was shocking that they figured out they had to. I think yeah. I think anyone paying attention figured out they had to. The, the, the difficult thing was finding a shortstop that would work because, yeah. it's, you know, shortstops are one of the hardest commodities to pick up. And, uh, you know, the way Dombrowski told the stories essentially fell into his lap and he's not an idiot. He took it. Yep. <laughs> you know, so uh, it, it was a deal that, the, you know, the, the, the Red Sox already had a young shortstop coming up who they liked. So they felt the shortstop was expendable. Apparently the White Sox didn't really feel like they needed this guy, but it was like an outfielder from Detroit. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that it, it just worked out for the three teams and everyone got something they liked. And, uh, people, some, some people have acted like the Tigers gave up too much and they're getting a no bat, you know, utility infielder kind of a guy for, for giving up, a possibly an above average outfielder. Uh, but the other side of it is he, Garcia, no matter what his minor league numbers were, he, he was no sure thing and he, he never looked quite as good in Detroit as he as he was always advertised. So I I feel like you know immediately they filled a hole they needed to fill and uh, like I said earlier I I love to watch a good shortstop play defense and uh, you know just watching Iglesias you know it's just it's just a pleasure this yeah. guy is just so good with the glove it's just it's fun to watch and 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 it will pay off some dividends uh, you know at some point. And who knows, there could be a no-hitter because he makes a play. You know, Sunday, I, I think I'm not the only one who was thinking when you made that play behind uh, Sanchez, I think it was Sunday, that mm-hmm. when you made that play that, uh, that that might be the start of something special, and it turns out it wasn't, but that that you just get that feeling that he's going to do something and it's going to be part of something special and, and Peralta would never have gotten to it. So I'm not. I'm just really, I'm, I'm really enjoying the trade so far. And obviously, he's not, he's not going to be a real great hitter, and he, he's definitely never going to be remotely near what Peralta was as a batter. But overall, you know, they, they did what they had to do, and I, I've enjoyed the, uh, I've enjoyed it already. And when it comes to giving up Garcia, I think his upside was, you know, maybe an average starting corner outfielder. And to be honest, those guys are pretty much dime a dozen. Let alone he was blocked by. Uh, I, I, the prospect the Tigers are much more enamored of, and that's uh, Nick Castellanos. So, and this is what you do with prospects: you flip them to fill positions of need, let alone a huge position of need with a player who is younger, cheaper, better defensively, and all this will allow the Tigers to make other moves that they probably wouldn't have been able to if they had decided to bring back Peralta because he was due for a raise. He was underpaid. It's hard to say underpaid at $6 million, but he was underpaid at $6 million and was likely due a big raise. Now that money can be used for, for things like maybe extending Max Scherzer or Miguel Cabrera or using free agencies in another way. So uh, giving up Garcia, you know, it hurts yeah, a little bit, but again, corner outfielder, it's, those, you know, you, you, they're all over the damn place, and the Tigers already have a better one, supposedly, in the minor league system. So, And what was interesting about this, uh, Kurt, when this trade went down, is that Dave Dombrowski admitted Peralta would not return next year, and he called Iglesias the long-term solution at shortstop. I found that, the, I think, the most interesting part of this whole thing is that not only did Dave Dombrowski plug a hole for the remainder of this year, he's probably plugged a hole for the next five or six. Yeah, and, and, you know, it, it reminded me of the Austin Jackson, you know, movement. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're giving up somebody who's, who's having a great season or, you know, who's had a good Tigers career, but you're, but you're looking into the future and you're going, you know, what, what can I do if I can fill this position at, at an inexpensive price? I can worry about my other things that I have to do. So, you know, with Jackson, they, they locked up a, a center fielder, a key position. 
And it turns out, you know, he was having a few hitting problems, and that's why the Yankees weren't as high on him as, as some might be. And, and and they fixed that, and Austin's been, a, you know, key piece. So they're, they're probably looking at uh, Iglesias just going, his glove is never going to take a playoff. If we can just get him hitting well enough, this is going to be, a, a you know, a key piece to our future. So it, it was it, yeah, doubly good move. You know, it, it doesn't just help the stretch run. It, it helps. Five years, it might help, like you said, it might help keep Scherzer, it might help keep Cabrera a Tiger for the rest of his career. It, it's going to free up money that otherwise, you know, would have been going to Peralta or somebody. You know, if you want to get at least a little sabermetric about this, is that uh, this year Peralta, almost all due to his offense, was a three and a half war player. From all accounts, Iglesias will be uh, at least a, a two war player on his glove alone. If he can hit. 250 give you a 700 OPS. If you look uh, sabermetrically, you've replaced Johnny Peralta. Yeah, and as a bargain because yeah. you know he's making league minimum this year, and you can make probably league minimum for another year or two before he gets a raise. So yeah, you're, you know it's quite a bargain. Yeah, like I said, he's played some draw dropping defense already, and if he can hit a little bit, it's all good. And for that matter, if him and Peralta are on the, on the team in the playoffs, well, that makes the Tigers that much better. Kudos to David Dombrowski because no one really saw this coming. If any, if any, if we expected anything, there was going to be a veteran, middle of the road, barely league replacement shortstop, and instead he found a a young up and comer who could be an all star via his glove alone. So, <laughs> Dave Dombrowski knows more than all of us. But there was one controversy about this trade, Kurt. Jose Iglesias wore the Whitakers number one, which raised the hackles of some Tigers fans. <laughs> yes, that is true. You know, it's been out of circulation since Whitaker retired. It hasn't been worn by anybody since 1996. This is one of those things people, I think, had their anger in the wrong direction. You know, don't get upset at the Glacius. Uh, if you want to get upset, get upset with the Tigers for, for stupidly not retiring Whitaker and Trammell's number. I know the Tigers supposedly have this, we can only retire numbers of players who have been in the Hall of Fame, but then they broke that with Willie Horton. And... I, I really think this kind of comes down to, I think Mike Gillis still has some sort of lingering acrimony when it comes to how that era of Tigers baseball ended with Sparky Anderson and all that. And I, I do find it asinine that Whitaker's number is not retired, but I also find it asinine that people are getting so up, got so up in arms over, well, a number. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's just what I'm going to say. I don't, I don't care that it's not retired. I know there's some people out there who, 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 you know, really get into this history, this or, yeah. or that. And, and, you know, I, I don't really, I don't like the idea of retiring jerseys. And, and that last thing you want to do is become the Yankees and retire yeah. freaking everybody. Or you for know? that matter, be the Pistons and retire the, uh, the water boy. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, so I, I, I don't even think Whitaker's jersey should be retired. And I don't think Trammell's jersey should. I said, you know whose jersey you, number you can retire? Ty Cobb. That one I think is pretty safe. Unfortunately, yeah, because he doesn't have a number, so that makes it easy. So exactly. Yeah, but uh, again, this is all misplaced anger, and I, actually, I think at this point it's all it's all kind of smoothed over. But it, it was still, I think, anger for the sake of anger. You know, because Tigers fans need something to rail against when the team's playing so well. You know, because we're not hearing much of the fiery Leland uh, stuff anymore. So. Regardless of all that, we're going to go into the controversies part of the podcast. It kind of segued into it because there's been a couple controversies uh, since we've last talked. The biggest one happened over the past few days, and that was uh, Jack Clark, a former Major League uh, player with uh, the Cardinals and Giants. Actually, he was a a pretty darn good one back in the 80s. Uh, And he accused Justin Verlander and uh, Albert Pujols of using PEDs. He made waves nationally with this uh, cry, and uh, the quote on Verlander was, first off, before I go into the quote, it was completely misinformed. Verlander was like Nolan Ryan. He threw 97, 98, 100 from the first inning to the ninth inning, well, which isn't true. Uh, he got that big contract. Now he can barely reach 92, 93, which isn't true. Uh, what happened to it? He has no arm problems. Nothing's wrong. Well, that's untrue as well. Uh, it's just the signs are there because, well, the problem was Verlander even admitted it. It was mechanical. There were, it was arm slot thing. Regardless of all that, Clark went even further with Pujols, stating, quote unquote, it was a fact he took steroids. And, and he said it was a fact because he had secondhand, he had had secondhand hearsay. <laughs> uh, when the word got out to Pujols and Verlander, Pujols said he was taking legal action and Verlander hinted at it. And Verlander also called it moronic. 
uh, what was uh, kind of interesting about this, and actually kind of refreshing for all the hate and crap we hear spewed on Sports Talk Radio, of all the controversy and possible legal trouble swirling around the show, uh, the radio station just plain fired them and canceled it. Uh, they decided it weren't worth the trouble, so they were fired early Saturday morning. I find that kind of refreshing, Kurt, because there's actually some consequences to, well, essentially was loose cannon speech. Jack Clark essentially using hearsay and conjecture and making crap up and having his facts wrong and making wild accusations that ended up costing him his job. I find, I say, good. Most of those, uh, I thought, were required to be a sports media. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. Making crap up, that, that seems to be part of the job. Uh, wild conjecture, that seems to be part of the job. Not knowing the facts, that seems to be part of the job. You know, it seems to me Jack Clark would have been a successful talk video. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's um, And, of course, Clark came out firing, saying, uh, well, I didn't really say that about Verlander, even though it's on tape. And, he and he still stands by what he says about uh, Pujols about ta- him taking steroids. Even even though Pujols is, I you know that's a whole other argument. But Pujols has never tested positive, and anything relating him to PEDs has all been circumstantial and hearsay. So there's no proof. And Jack Clark saying a trainer told him about it while he was standing, uh, you know, next to the batting cage. Well, that's not uh, proof. That's not a fact. That's just hearsay and. Unfortunately, that's the state of sports talk radio today. Yeah, and and I'm probably not going to go as far as you in uh, in commending the radio station either, because it sure took them. I mean, these, these were comments made Friday. Yeah, you got a point got, there. Yeah. You know, they, these were some of these were a week or, or ten days old, and they were just now getting attention from the St. Louis Post Dispatch. And you know, before that article, I don't. I if that article never ran, maybe they never got fired. Yeah. You know, but after that ran, and and. Uh, People responded to it. That that's when the firing happened. So it seems like a radio station sticking its finger in the air and figuring out which way the wind was coming from and reacting rather than being some high moral standard being ready to guys. Yeah, yeah. They 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 lost their job because it was a good business decision on the radio station's part, and that they have every right to do that. So, and for that matter, there was a lot of underlying stuff going on here because uh, the co-host Kevin Slayton. Uh, from all accounts, has pretty much burned bridges at every radio station he worked at in St. Louis and is kind of well-known as a uh, a rabble-rouser type who says a lot of things that he doesn't either believe or knows to be knows not to be true but spews them on the radio anyway for the sake of quote-unquote controversy. And, well, this time it caught up with him. All right, one more controversy, Kurt, is uh, Detroit's bankrupt champ. Uh, why the uh, Tigers were sweeping the Indians out of the central race last week, the Indian fans responded by uh, responded to a "Let's Go Tigers" chant with one of their own, the insulting "Detroit's bankrupt." Obviously, as always in these things, an uproar ensued, mostly online. Uh, th- this made headlines from everything from Deadspin to the Wall Street Journal uh, for a couple of days. This was all over the place, and and it turned out I think the last two games of the series, this chant broke out in Cleveland. And there was the usual uh, posturing. Detroiters were aghast. Clevelanders said to move on. It's just a, you know, just a joke chant. You know, a bunch of drunken Nick Swisher fans. Was too much made of this, Kurt, or was it stepping over some sort of unknown line? Yeah, you know, too much was made of it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was louder in, in the stadium, but, you know, listening on TV, it, it didn't sound like it was a loud, you know, Everyone in the stadium chanting it right. or something. It sounded like a, you know maybe maybe some part of a section was chanting it. So it, it to to turn to turn uh, uh, you know a small number of drunks into into saying oh trashy Cleveland. Well that's that's just as stupid as chanting Detroit's bankrupt in the first place to me. So uh, you know I understand the states have a rivalry and and people you know especially from Southeast Michigan really seem to have a rivalry with. Uh, with Ohio, but it, mm-hmm. it it just verges on being ridiculous. I, I think Detroiters would be best served by being above this rather than rolling around in the mud every time they feel like somebody might have insulted them. Yeah, this is one of those uh, glass houses, uh, look in the mirror type things, because to get slightly political, Detroit is not going to be the only large city who's going to find themselves in this situation over the next few years. And most every big city that has lost a great deal of population, specifically in the Rust Belt, specifically pe- uh, cities like Cleveland, 
are stuck with huge bills that they will not be able to pay with the current tax basis. So uh, let's just hope it all gets sorted out for Detroit. As for the chant, yeah, I'm with you. It was a lot of much to do about nothing, but it's typical of what you see at any sporting event because I've seen the same sort of class of stuff at Detroit events when it comes, especially normally these chants get personal and they're usually of a, you know, of a homophobic or a sexual orientation or a racial thing. You know, this is one of those pot kettle black things. So it happens in every stadium in every part of the country and it shouldn't, but it does. And we should treat it as it is a bunch of idiots saying something stupid. So, and you know, I, I work through SB Nation. I've worked with many fine people from Ohio. Mm-hmm. I mean, several more people than you expect, would expect from, you know, one state. And, and most of them, they're Indians fans and they're all very fine people. And, and they're, they're looking at Detroit and the Tigers and going, what a good team you have. Not, not acting like some jerks. So, you yeah. know, I, I, I think, you know, we, we have to go, come on, this is just getting stupid. Most Indians fans are perfectly fine people too. Yeah, and what I found most interesting about it, uh, when I posted the a poll on Bless You Boys, the winning, the the overwhelming winner was, you know, looks at the AL Central scoreboard, you know, the the standings, and it, that's all it really was. It was a small amount of fans who were so upset about seeing their team fold like a, you know, a cheap table, uh, that they had to do. They felt like they had to do something, so that's what they chose. And that leads us to actual baseball. <laughs> oh, I didn't know there was any. Yeah, no kidding. The Tigers, while we've been off, had a massive winning streak. Uh, they swept the Indians in a huge four-game series. Uh, they won two in dramatic comeback fashion, one in a complete blowout. Uh, Tigers arrived in Cleveland for a three-game lead and an eight-game win streak. They left for New York, seven in front, and with a 12-game streak and pretty much the central in their hip pocket. Uh, the streak ended against the Yankees, obviously. They, they lost two or three, but... Even still, they left New York and are headed to play the last place White Sox, still seven games up, and what, there's like 42, 40 games, 45 games left. This this streak kind of, they bulldozed their way through the Indians, and Kurt, I don't know about you, but it really feels like the, well, the Central's over. And, you know, I, I think I think as Tigers fans, we, we it, it makes me uncomfortable to feel that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm... We're, we're used to bad things happening, and even even if bad things didn't happen, we would still expect them to happen. So I I hesitate to get too excited. I feel like I might piss off the baseball guys if I do. But uh, we'll put it this way. Uh, the Tigers could play 500 ball from here on out, and I believe it would take either the Indians or Royals to play, what, over 700 to uh, even just catch the Tigers. So... If you put it that way, you know, there's no one in baseball right now playing who has played 700 over a full year, only for short stretches. And I don't see, one, the Indians having the pitching to do it, and the Royals, I think, one, they waited too late to get hot, and two, they are still, well, they, they are just, neither one of these teams are as talented as the Tigers. At the same time, the Tigers, they've won, as of now, they've won 13 of 15 and 17 of 20. Uh, at the same time, both the Indians had a 10 and 1 streak. And the Royals went 15 and two during the same period, and they both lost grounds in the race. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, that you know the Tigers just withstood the best punch by both teams, and now and, and did better than it. So it, it and it really it's just you know I, I have to say it's nice to see the the, the Central do well for itself because mm-hmm. you know you, you get sick of it being the the butt of everyone's joker. Oh, the Tigers aren't that good. Look look who they play. Well, you know. The Royals just did pretty darn good for themselves, and the Indians were doing pretty darn good for themselves, and the Central is probably not nearly as bad as people like to pretend. So mm-hmm. it, it was nice to see some other teams winning, too. Yeah, it is interesting that the Royals are finally living up to the hype that we've gotten for, like, what, the last decade? <laughs> that this was a team that was finally on the verge of doing something. Basically, since 2003, when the, when they finished, what, uh, just about 500, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Everyone is always, it's been, wait till next year. The, the Royals have the pieces they need. Look at yeah. their prospects. Look at this. Look, and I go, I'll believe the Royals when they do something. You know, even this year, they're not going to do what people think they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they're, they, are, they are playing crazy good. The Tigers are playing crazy good. The Indians were playing crazy good. But I think the Tigers pretty much crushed their souls uh, when Chris Perez blew up in the ninth inning of game one of that series. And the, the Indians, I think, Spiraled out of control, and they only won one game of their 
uh, what, seven-game homestand, and they had to do that late in the last game of the uh, homestand against uh, the Angels. They ended up going one and six. There was a team I ever saw look beat. It was when the Tigers were stomping all over them in the fourth game of that series. It really looked, the Indians looked for all the world like a team that just wanted the series to get over with and get this team that is killing us out of town. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> we're getting old, Al. I can't remember what I was going to say. Two, two words into it. Well, I'll just, uh, uh, I'll just keep moving on from that then. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it, it's, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay, okay. Go I'll go for it. Uh, I, you know, one one thing I noticed was that the Indians decided to hold a closed door players only meeting, and uh, and nothing nothing good came after it. Yeah, yeah they lost the next two games. <laughs> you know, you know, if whenever whenever if the Tigers hit a streak in April or May, you know, everyone wants to see this closed door meeting or this, you know, Leland ripping out like like it's some sort of magic bean. And here the Indians just used their magic bean and kept on losing. So you know. Meetings are meetings. It's not what you're doing on the field. I mean, it's what you're doing on the field that counts. That's always been one of my pet peeves where fans always want their the managers or they have a few players um, on pretty much have their volume knob up to 11 all the time. And that just burns people out. I mean, this isn't a, a football season of 16 games or even a college basketball season of 32 or so. 162 games and you have an overbearing manager or an overbearing clubhouse where it's constant fire and brimstone. People are just playing, going to either tune it out or they're going to revolt. You just can't do it. It's what it really what it comes down to these things, Curtis, that I think you got one. You get you get one of these. And to be honest with you, Jim Leland used his back in 2006 when the Tigers, uh, I think it was an April game where they kind of, as Leland said, said they already had their bags packed for the road trip and just wanted to get this game over with as quickly as possible and a loss. And that's the one time I remember him really losing his temper, you know, doing the fire and brimstone act. And in that case, it did work because the Tigers end up to have a marvelous first half of that year. But he's never done it again, and for a legitimate reason. Yeah. Well, you know, he didn't have a bunch of people being paid $20 million a season back then either. Exactly. He had, he had a, young, a young team coming off a different manager, and he had to put him in his place right away and say, hey, Things have changed. This is my team. This is the way we do things with under me. So, you know, it's different when a new manager's in his first couple of weeks on a job compared to, uh, you know, eight years or whatever. Really? He's made, you know, he's insinuated things and he's made it pointed comments and, you know, things like that to the media. And he, and sometimes he, if he blows his top, it's usually at the media, but I'm, at the time he's usually trying to make a point about something. And, but he's never really thrown any players under the bus. You know, in that case, he pretty much did the entire team. But ever since, he has, well, it, it really shows that, you know, under Leland's toolage, and he must be doing something right because the Tigers will have won an awful lot of games. So uh, I'm just glad that uh, we haven't had to deal with this stupid uh, players-only meeting crap over the last few years because, as you just said, they don't, they rarely, if ever, work. Or it's just a short-term thing. You know, everybody gets fired up for a game or two. That's all it is. All right, let's move on to, well, well, Cabrera's doing amazing things, Kurt. Amazing things. And you, you actually broke, you kind of did a, a career overview on Bless You Boys today. Uh, because actually, uh, what, what's, what's his uh, game total as of, uh, it was as of yesterday? Uh, he hit 1,620, which if you can do the math, yep. is, uh, 10, the equivalent of 10 full seasons. It's, uh, it's scary how, where his numbers are piling up as, as to who he's comparing to. Yeah, you know, so I, I started looking into it just to, you know, because we, we bat around, you know, how we know he's good. We know he's one of the best, but how, how much is he one of the best? So, you know, if you compare him to, to Tigers in history, you know, he I remember in 2008 when he was traded for us, mm -hmm. what we were thinking was, this is the best batter since LK line. Mm -hmm. Well, he's left LK line so much in the dust, it's not even funny, you know. He, he's up there in Hank Greenberg territory, and, yeah. and people could talk about Ty Cobb as well, but it, it just seems so hard. You know, it, it wasn't just that, uh, you know, the style of baseball was different under Ty Cobb, or, you know, it, it was also that minorities couldn't play baseball right. back then. So it's, it's, it's how hard for me to co compare it to that era, but uh, as far as uh, historically speaking, uh, you know, I looked at that too, and he's right around uh, a little bit better than Frank Robinson and Hank Aaron through the same number of games. So that is a uh, pretty good company, just below Willie Mays, I believe. 
and you know he, he he's got quite a distance to make up to get you know to the Babe Ruths or the Mickey Mantles, but you know that that second tier, oh yeah, it's still a very very good place to be historically, and he he seems to be you know like he's going to fit comfortably in that second tier at by you know for the end of his career. So yeah. he, he's truly you know a, a top a top fifteen ball player in the history of the game. Yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, the, your your the, the numbers you threw out there are. Pure and simple, first ballot Hall of Famer uh, type numbers. You know, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And even and this year, what's really interesting about this is that, and this, I know a lot of sabermaticians threw this out last year in the in the MVP argument between him and Trout, was that Cabrera last year actually had a better year to year before, at least in, in, in a lot of the different numbers, except for the, uh, the the Triple Crown numbers. And he's doing the same thing this year. He's better. But he doesn't look like he's going to win a triple crown because of Chris Davis and the home run thing. But right now, Cabrera is leading Major League Baseball in hitting at 365 and on base percentage at 459. You know, that's like Barry Bonds territory. And he's slugging 686, also leading Major League Baseball, meaning his OPS is also leading Major League Baseball at 1.145. And he's pretty much leading uh, the AL in almost everything except home runs because of Chris Davis. And it's really starting to look like unless Cabrera goes on a, an amazing home run run, he's likely not going to catch Davis there. But otherwise, he's running away with pretty much every offensive category in baseball right now. And then over the weekend, Kurt, I, that I guess this was really I think proved his greatness was his last two at bats against Mariano Rivera turned out to be home runs in massively clutch situations. There was a game, t- and plus he hit the game tying home run in the 14 inning win over Cleveland, which was a huge, huge game. And all of this was being, barely being able to run due to what's uh, we've heard in both a hip flexor, abdominal injuries. He, the guy can, can only jog at this point. Yet, despite all that, he's pretty much a near lock for a second straight MVP. Yeah, you know, and, and Friday against uh, Mariano Rivera, that that was especially amazing because mm-hmm. you know it just became one of those epic bats. Yes. And, you know, he's down to two outs and two strikes, and he's following the ball off his leg, and he can barely put weight on it, and he's, you know, limping around, and and and, and then he hits a home run to the deepest part of the ballpark. And, yep. and, and you just you look at it and go, you know, it, at that point it felt really special because you wondered if the Tigers would ever lose. Of course, they went on to lose that game, but it, it didn't take away from just what an incredible moment that is. That you know, the best closer in the in the history of the game against one of the best hitters in the history of the game, and, and you know, that, that that's a memory that people people should tuck away and, and think about, you know, in a decade or two because that that was really quite a moment. And then to hit another home run off him on, on Sunday, yeah. you know, so so. You know, Mariano Rivera blew two games in a row against two saves in a row against the Tigers, and 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 Cabrera had a big part in both of them. And you know, it it, it was just really something amazing to behold. Yeah, and the look on on uh, Rivera's face, especially after the Friday home run, was he looked absolutely gobsmacked, pure and simple. I, I mean, it came out of the blue, and for it to happen again on Sunday, and all you could do is laugh. And and as I wrote in the recaps, it's like. We'll forget all about the losses. You know, we'll forget all about the, you know, Gardner walking off on Sunday and things like that. We'll remember the Cabrera-Rivera matchups. Losses happen, but at-bats like that don't happen very often. And it was just an absolutely amazing thing to see. Right. And fortunately, you know, it, it's nice to have that 7-8 and eight game lead in the division. Because, yeah. You know, you you can take the more philosophical look at it look at it when you're not up by a game and your mm-hmm. opponents are catching you. You know, yeah. if the Tigers had lost oh, and they only led by a game, people might be freaking out. But it, you know, with a comfortable lead, we can look at it and go, "This was a great baseball moment, and I can enjoy that even if the team lost." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there was a lot to be frustrated about those games too. But you know, the, the Tigers were due for a couple of wrong bounces and, you know, a, a few games where they were going to will flail about and strand lots and lots of runners, like they stranded 12 on Sunday. But overall, you know, there's very little to complain about the Tigers right now. And speaking of that, if you've been following Twitter, Kurt, I don't know if you have, uh, Miguel Cabrera and Austin Jackson became the first pair of Tigers teammates to win Cope Player of the Week honors since the award's inception in 1974. In other words, Cabrera wow. and Jackson are co-players of the week in uh, the American League. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, well, that kind of shows that Dawson Jackson woken up too, because he he was he was actually looking pretty and he was not swinging the bat at all well for a few weeks. 
Yeah, and and and, and you know, and, it, and it's very key with him at the top of the batting order like that, you know, because you, you can't just rely on Tory Hunter to come up there and do something with with one out all the time or two outs, you know. So you you need that table setter, and, uh, and Jackson has proven, especially last year, but he's proven in the past that where he goes, the offense goes. So mm-hmm. it, 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 he's he's a key point in, in keeping this offense going in the right direction by getting on base. Exactly, and it's uh, really during the streak, Kurt, it's really only, for the most part, only in, in his, this team still is not firing all cylinders. Uh, Prince Fielder is struggling mightily. He's, he's only got like one extra base hit in the second half. His average has dropped down to 260. Uh, obviously, there's been the uh, they've been missing Omar Infante due to the leg injury, he, and he still isn't back. He's supposedly going to come back for the Chicago series. Uh, left field is looking like right field of last year, and that they're getting very little production out of Andy Dirks and Matt Tuiasosopo. Well, he's regressing to the mean. You know, he had a great first half, but now he's playing like he's swinging the bat like the guy who was a career minor leaguer that he was. So. There's, there are some issues with this team that the Tigers are still, I guess when it comes down to, Kurt, is that their pitching has been so damn good, they've been able to overcome a sputtering offense at times. And that's basically how we wrote it up, you know, before the season. Mm-hmm. You know, mo- most people thought the Tigers had the best rotation, if not the best rotation, the second best rotation. And that is, and that's what's happening. You know, even on a, even on an off day, you got like Justin Verlander going seven or eight innings. And, yeah. and that's just it. It, it, the, the rotation is just so strong that the, the team can win if the offense doesn't click. And if the offense does click, you know, you can put the game on in the bag in like the third inning and not even have to worry about it. So it, it's just, it, it, it really is like it, running like things were written up. And like, like you said, if they could just get Prince Fielder uh, going consistently, holy cow, they'd be scary. And speaking of uh, the pitching staff, we got to at least talk a little bit about Max Scherzer. Who was now 17 and one, and his reach, his season, if not already, is reaching historic proportions. In the history of baseball, the only pitcher to have a better start at this point is Roy Face, who went 18 and one in relief. That was over the entire season for the 59 Pirates. It's, it's like a perfect storm with Scherzer Curtin that he's he's putting together a career year. You know, over the last couple of seasons, he's really figured it out. You know, the, he's he always had a stuff, but you know, he's got everything working together. You know, the mechanics and the stuff. And also that he has like league leading run support. Like his win 17 was a, the Tigers had put that game in their hip pocket in like the third inning. You know, it ended up being like a 9-3 win or something like that. So, uh, right now he's looking like the front runner for the Cy Young. You know, even though he, his peripherals aren't as good as some, some pitchers, it's still, oh, there are still, they're still top five. And when you factor it in with the 17-1 record, right now Scherzer could end up having a, a I doubt he's going to end up with one loss for or for the entire season, but it sure is cool to think about. Yeah, you know, hey, you never know. He could end up with that 25 wins that uh, Verlander didn't get to a couple of years back. Yeah, but exactly. He, and and it's going to take you know some some big thing to change for him not to be the Cy Young winner. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it's great for him. It's maybe it's, maybe it's not so good for Mike Illich because it's going to probably cost a few extra dollars to sign him after that. Yeah. But. <laughs> But it, it's really it's really good for the Tigers. Really is really good for Scherzer to to have this start. And like you said, you know, pitcher wins. You know, Saber guys hate pitcher wins, and I, yeah. I think I think even normal people can can have a a distrust of them because right. so many things that go into it. But any any time you you put seventeen of them against one loss, you know that something is going pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and if if and just to to uh, get across the pitcher wins. Uh, I remember back in '84, uh, Sparky Anderson going into that season says, "I need 55 wins from my uh, from my starting pitching." And uh, you know, I, was it uh, was it Morris Petrie and uh, Mill Wilcox, and he ended up getting it out of those guys. Right now, the Tigers have four pitchers with over 10 wins. Rick Porcello has eight, so he's going to get 10. At this point, the Tigers could end up with something crazy like over 70 wins from their starting pitching. Yeah, that's uh, that really is amazing. That's mm-hmm. that you know, just to, just to consider that, and uh, there, there are teams out there that would like seventy wins altogether. Period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it, it's really what it is is a testament to how long these guys stay on the mound. That's I think I think among you know 
Uh, it sure says they're, they're good pitchers, but it, it also says that they managed to hang around on the mound long enough to have the opportunity exactly. to get the win. They didn't leave after five or six innings. They were out there on the seventh or eighth, and sometimes that's how long it takes. So I think that's one thing that you can really take away from uh, from a stat like that. And, and that kind of leads us into a man who was picked up to kind of pitch those innings that right now, for the most part, the starting staff has been able to get through, and that is you – know, no, trying to, you know, there's someone that needs that can pitch the fourth, fifth, sixth innings in case of need. So the Tigers brought up Jeremy Bonderman after picking him up from the Mariners for essentially a cup of coffee. Uh, and when they brought him up in place of Evan Reed, the, Jim Leland said, we want a veteran guy who's been there before. And obviously Bonderman has being a, a, a big part of the 2006 team. But they were just going to use him in, you know, long middle relief, you know, in case of blowouts, things like that. And it's already been a success for Jeremy Bonderman. I know, I believe you wrote about this over the past uh, week or so as well. In Wednesday's game, I think right that alone, the signing paid off. Uh, he came up huge in the 14 inning went over to Tribe, pitching three innings of scoreless relief, allowing just one hit and picking up the win. I believe he, he, he pitched the 11th through 13th innings. If he doesn't do that, they don't win the game. And he has a 2.14 ERA, allowing one run and three appearances. And the one run was a meaningless run in garbage time in the ninth inning of the win on Saturday. So I know we went into this not, you know, not saying, you know, Jeremy Bonneman, don't th- expect big things from him. You know, he's just, he's not going to be used all the time. This is not the guy that was, you know, was considered the ace in 2005. But he really looks like he's, he may have found his niche in baseball as, as a long reliever. And it's really paid off for the Tigers. Well, you know, uh, the thing with him is he's always been a two-pitch pitch, no yeah. matter how many times he tried to add the third All the change-up, the change-up. That was like yeah. a, an evergreen story every spring. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so mixing his fastball and his slider seems, seems to be paying off pretty well. In the relief, you know, aspect, is he's, he's not facing batters several times during right. the game. He, 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 he might only see each batter once, and he can get through that easier, and... And he, his, his, both pitches did seem to look pretty good, and yeah. at least, in, you know, yeah, against Cleveland. Small sample sizes at all. You know, this could still change, and it may not end up working out, but it looks like Jeremy Bonderman is going to be around for the duration. I, I would say he's going to be around for the, the duration. And, and, you know, I, I I would caution about putting too much, you know, too much belief into it. But I, I, on the other hand, I, I don't think he's going to bomb out or anything either. So I think he's. I think he's, and he doesn't walk people, so that's right. really, that's really a big useful, uh, point that, uh, you know, could be pointed out a little bit more, is that he's not getting himself in trouble, and in relief, if you're not doing that, you're probably going to be successful. Most yeah, time unlike time. a certain Al Albuquerque, who was, who was frustrating people to no end, and, uh, I guess if there's one argument to make it that, that with the bullpen at this point, Kurt, is that they seem, for the most part, between the, uh, picking up Varus, and uh, Bonderman kind of stepping in the long relief, and uh, Drew Smiley and Joaquin Benoit doing their thing at the end of the games. The, the bullpen, for the most part, has sorted itself out, save for Al Albuquerque, who still looks like the same guy who got sent down early in the year. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, I've said this before, it's sad because he just hasn't been the same since he, you know, first he got hit in the head, and then he right. had an arm issue, and he just doesn't seem to be the same after the arm issue. And so it's kind of sad, but. At this point, I, I don't have much faith in him, and whenever he pitches, it seems like a bad thing happens. When people are crying for Luke Pucona and Evan Reed, I think that pretty much says it all. Right, and, and I think I think what we're going to see is Bonderman's going to end up taking the Albuquerque in. You know, we might be thinking mm-hmm. of him as a mop-up, but I, he, if he's successful another outing or two, I think he's going to end up more the Albuquerque role than the mop-up role. Yeah, and, and we actually saw that over the weekend. Uh, he, I think he pitched what the, I think in the seventh inning of one of the Yankees games. So Albuquerque was trying to fill in for Octavio Dotel. Maybe it's and it looks like it may end up being Bonnerman filling in for Octavio Dotel. And there, and there's still rumors that Dotel may actually coming back because supposedly he's pitching off a mound and working out. But we'll see if that actually happens if he actually oh, comes back. Well, you know, I just saw it on Twitter since we're breaking Twitter news that. Uh, James Chipman reports he's going to be pitching for uh, the Flying Tigers tonight. That's that's an even and, better sign. If and they and he, was, he was with the GCL, you know, the Gulf yeah. Coast League before, which is almost, you know, a little higher than extended spring training. But you know, now pitching in advanced days, this is this is real. Let's pay start to pay attention at this point. It's real, and we had all written them off. I know I had. I, I, oh yeah, I, I thought he was gone. Yeah, I thought hell, I thought his career was over. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so one more thing, we we'll start wrapping it up. 
And uh, there is one piece of, well, bad news, if you, uh, we call it that. I mean, really, it is. Alex Avila is on the seven-day concussion disabled list. Uh, Avila was lifted from Thursday's 10-3 win over the Indians after a foul ball struck his mask. He was spotted uh, by TV cameras bleeding from his left ear. It didn't look like you know, he was, his, brain, he had, his brain was bleeding right but he, he suffered a cut and it didn't look good. And he actually stayed in for another half inning or so and was eventually pulled. That night he was evaluated uh, in a hospital in Cleveland, actually went back to Detroit after that while the team went to New York and was reevaluated, and the doctors cleared him, you know, saying there's no concussion, he can play. Uh, after playing Saturday, and he didn't play very well, I think he struck out three times, uh, Avila was scratched from Sunday's lineup after he reported feeling ill after taking batting practice, supposedly those uh, concussion-like symptoms. He was then placed on the seven-day concussion list. Uh, Brian Holiday was called up. I've just never seen a catcher take more abuse than Alex Avila, and, and for the most part, it's been no cause of his own. It's just, you know, balls seem to just be attracted to him like a maggot, and he just takes some wicked, wicked hits. And, if you know, the fear, the fear is, Kurt, is that the abuse he's taking back there could shorten his career. Yeah, and I think that's a real fear, too, because, it, like you said, he, he seems to take more hits than the average catcher. You know, every catcher is going to get beat up a little bit. It's just the job, but... Avila seems to get something every game yeah. that, that looks bad or looks really painful, and you, you, you know, and, and those are going to add up. So, and an interesting thing, you know, I saw some question, and I wouldn't know the answer that you know, becoming a catcher in college, if that, if you know, if if he doesn't have quite the same reaction time as right. a natural catcher because he he doesn't he just didn't spend as much time doing it, you know, like. Like Malcolm Gladwell's ten thousand hours or whatever, yeah. you know. So I, I don't know if that's part of it or not. That you know is an interesting thought. But for some reason, he just takes a lot more abuse than than catchers typically do. And and if it you know if it wasn't playing too much and hurting his knees, now 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 we're seeing some you know something dangerous that that goes beyond baseball. So yeah. that, you know you, you just hope everything uh, everything gets straightened out and uh, you know you. you you hope he, he starts to not take the, the bat and the ball off his face so much. Yeah. But who knows who knows why it's happening, but it, it has to not happen. The sad part for the Tigers is that Avila's bat was really starting to come around in the second half. He was he was hitting like he was a couple years ago. So uh and no, because he had that uh, a huge home run in the uh in the Cleveland series and it's actually I think he had like, you know, 18, 19 RBIs for you know since the break, which is, you know, great for a catcher. So uh, uh, the Tigers seem to be, should be able to uh, be, they'll be fine behind a plate with uh, Brian Pena, who's having a career year of the bat. And even though I don't think he is the, uh, as quality of a defensive player as Avila, and obviously I think you can see he's not as good as doing things like framing pitches that Avila is, but between, you know, Pena and Holiday, they should be fine for a week or so. But once again, it's, it's Good thing the Tigers have uh, a cushion in the Central now because they've been battling injuries for the most part for over a month. Yeah, and, and hopefully they will start to uh, unbattle them. And yeah. you know, they'll tell like we were just talking about. Infante will come back, and every time you say, "Well, now when Infante comes back, he needs to suffer some sort of a setback," so I, I hesitate to think about it. But it, it would be huge if they could get Infante back too. So I guess we'll just have to keep a watch on that. Yeah, because uh, without Infante, Infante at the bottom of the order, it's it's been a struggle there at times, and we we saw that over the weekend in uh, in New York. But uh, overall, you know, there's very little to be concerned about other than health issues when it comes to players like Avila and uh, Infante and uh, and Miguel Cabrera. But Miguel Cabrera is just a machine who's playing over it right now. Even though uh, I don't know how the guy can't run yet, <laughs> that's amazing how good he's been. Regardless of all that, Kurt, let's start wrapping up the show. Uh, so that means it's time for final thoughts. Is there anything you'd like to add or say that hasn't been covered or you'd like to bring up? Now it's time to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I always know his final thoughts are coming, but I, yeah. <laughs> I, it always seems to surprise me when we actually get there. And, and, and what I like about when we have three people on the podcast, yeah. is, you know, when Allison starts talking, I have a second to think of something. Yeah, yeah, and usually Allison's like, I just want the weather to get better. I want the Tigers to keep winning. You know, <laughs> I should try. It. I, I I just want the weather to get better, and I'd, I'd like it to stop raining when I go camping, and uh, I'd, I'd like it if the if the dog would take a bath and and not 
freak out. Yeah, when you go camping, I should just call you like uh, bad luck schlep rock or something because you just have this rain cloud and foul when you're around. Well, this year that's the UP. That's yeah. uh, it's always in the 50s and it's always raining. It it last year might have been glorious, but this year we're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I think I think things are going fine with the Tigers. I uh, you know I I I think. Things are going fine everywhere. So uh, it, please, please enjoy our newest contributor, Hookslide, who is less less analysis, less less you know anything. He's just doing funny stuff, and and not everyone seems to have a sense of humor. I I, I think, yeah. but I I don't want to have to put satire on his on his column every time. So I hope people figure that part out too. Yeah, so that's, and, that's my final thought. And actually, we should also tell them that. Uh, uh, Eric of AKA Phil Coke Sprain is just taking a break. You know, it's not like he's, he has felt in the, I think he had some things going on that he had to take care of. You know, he had, uh, well, he has a job and stuff and, uh, and he had things he needed to take care of. So, and plus he, um, he did, he stopped tweeting because he didn't, he felt like there was a jinx there because when he stopped tweeting, the Tigers went on this 12 game winning streak. Well, you know, if that's what it takes, I'll stop tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know we've, I've seen a few, uh, requests for, you know, where's, now, where's where's the flow charts and stuff? And well, like I said, comedy is hard. So you know, it's not like he can just crank these things out. Uh, you know, every day. You know, this is it's it's a spurt thing. You know, when he gets the urge, we say post away. When he doesn't, you know, get yourself recharged. And that's what it is. With and plus now we have extra humor with with uh, hook slide. And like I said, he posted today, as a matter of fact. So uh, beyond it, so there are there's there's I won't call it a replacement. Let's just call him the. Uh, let's call Hook Slide the Whitaker to uh, Phil Coke Sprain's uh, Alan Trammell. Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah. uh, we're going to turn a double play. Exactly. All I'll add is, uh, well, ESPN kind of ticked me off the other night just because uh, there's there's so many great things going on in the game of baseball. There's a bunch of teams that are really playing awesome baseball, playing out of their minds for that matter, such as uh, the Dodgers, uh, the Braves, the Tigers, the Royals and Indians were. Yet, showing it as such an NFL-centric nation, uh, I think it was Thursday night, you know, this is after, you know, the Tigers had swept the tribe, and there's the, I think the Braves had a comeback to keep their streak alive, and a whole lot of crazy things have been going on in the game of baseball. ESPN Sports Center, the 11 o'clock Sports Center, led with 10 minutes of exhibition football talk. That was the moment ESPN broke me, and I began actively rooting for Fox Sports 1, which is supposed to start off this coming weekend, the finally a true competitor to ESPN is going to do what we, you know, I don't I don't want to see debate at 11 o'clock. And I don't want to see all the bullshit that ESPN spews. I, I want to see more than just NFL crap. Well, you know, I'm a huge NFL fan, but not in August. I could give a shit about exhibition football. And I'm not going to call it a preseason game. It's freaking exhibition football. And that's why I'm rooting for Fox Sports 1 to – Wake ESPN up and do some good things, especially when it comes to baseball. And, and Fox should be able to because they have baseball rights you now between the Saturday games and the playoffs and things like that. So, you know, stop watching Sports Center and let's give Fox Sports One a chance. And and for that matter, I guess there's going to be more competition here in Detroit. That uh, today, as we're recording, uh, another sports talk station when it came into being today, uh, WMJC flipped from adult contemporary music to sports talk. You know, so there's actually a competitor to the very lazy WXYT, which is, you know, essentially call us and talk whatever the hell you want about, even if it's talking out your ass, you know, such as let's put Verlander in a bullpen, you know, and and let's trade for Yasiel Puig by giving them, you know, a, a Brennan Bosch clone, all that kind of crap. So, I don't know, the sports media just drives me up a wall, Kurt, and uh, I have to vent. And in football, you know, I, I would love to, I would love to be able to feel positive thoughts about football, but when it's jammed down your throat, all this, I mean, I, it just pisses me off, and, you know, as a baseball person, I, so I, I start to resent it instead of being able to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what's, uh, oh, and I, I want, uh, one other warning before we start to wrap up, Kurt, uh, I just saw on Twitter, Wu Darvish is six outs away from a no-hitter. So. Oh, oh, I'm yeah, glad so I'm not working. Yeah, <laughs> turn it on, yeah. as soon as we wrap up, I'm sure we'll both turn on the um, uh, MLB network, so, but with that, let's start wrapping up the show, so where can they find you online, Kurt? Um, they can find me at Plenty Boys uh, at, at SB Nation on you know on like Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday nights. Uh, mm-hmm. Many Sunday nights at SB Nation MLB huh, with a little bit of camping going on before winter sets in in, in September. Uh, uh, 
I, I'm not doing that quite as much at this point, but I'll be doing that more again. And and I think that as sometimes I tweak dog pictures from uh, BYB Kurt. If, if you want pictures of Donner, please tune in to BYB Kurt. <laughs> exactly. And as always, you can find Allison on Twitter at No Run Support. I'm on Twitter at Big Al BYB. And, of course, Kurt, you forgot to bring up the uh, at SB Nation MLB account, which you and Rob have a lot to do with. Well, mostly Rob. He's like, yeah, he, you know, he's Tuesdays and Thursdays, and he's very good at it. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And yet still able to participate in also the Bless You Boys game threads. I don't know how he does it. I, and and I'm, I'm Sundays, and I get distracted by watching the newsroom. Or what's watching your dog. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the show. So... Hopefully sometime in the next week or two we'll be able to get together to put together uh do another podcast and you know, since the, the big streak's over, you know, there's no jinxes involved, so we'll be back soon. So until that time, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon, along with Kurt Mention. Afternoon? <laughs> and maybe we'll record the next Bless You Boys podcast at night, but until then we'll see you. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella. <laughs>